welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on the Monday after Super Bowl 58. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We, in part one of this show, looked at the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Now we're going to look at the team that came oh so close, the San Francisco 49ers. What went wrong? For the NFC champions, we're going to look at that in part two of today's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hopefully you like this video. Um, if you do, literally like it and subscribe to the channel. Uh, maybe even share it with your friends if you want. Also, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're watching this. Um, I, I, it's, it's available in audio form. And uh, so subscribe to that. And uh, you can also leave a review. That kind of stuff really does help me out tremendously. So, um, make sure you follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Let's, let's go over it. How did the Niners lose it? We'll talk about it now. Super Bowl 58 is in the books, and it was not a successful venture for the San Francisco 49ers. And for the 49ers, quite frankly, this one has to hurt. You had the ball in a tie football game with five minutes left. There is absolutely a scenario where Patrick Mahomes doesn't touch the football field again, and you are hoisting the Lombardi Trophy with confetti falling down all around you. You're the ones who are doing that. Instead... Field goal, they tie it. Now you have the ball in overtime. Field goal again, they win it. There are just, there are so many opportunities where it's like, it, it, it's definitely one of those at the beginning of the year. If we would have told you with five minutes left, you're going to be in a tied Super Bowl and you have the ball. Be like, all right, yeah, where is the parade going to be happening in San Francisco this year? Like you, you would take that a thousand times out of a thousand and they just couldn't they just couldn't finish the job. And I'm going to start with the positives first here for San Francisco. This loss, not an inch of it, is on Brock Purdy. To me, this was a legitimizing performance from Brock Purdy. I thought, like, the, I, I can't recall many throws that he just missed. Like, that there was, um, he had the ball slip out of his hands on that third down. That would have been catastrophic, but um, I think it was McDuffie got called for the holding. So, them's the breaks. Um, and he had one on a, a crosser that he kind of... It just took a bit of a left turn on him a little bit. But overall, I thought he was great. I, I thought that there was a maturity to his game. Um, I, I thought there was a, a management. I, I understand game manager is not a, a positive term. Um, I, I'm not suggesting that he was a game manager in this game. But he had just a, a management of things on the football field that I thought was really smart. He had an understanding of the pressures that were coming his way. How long he could last before getting just absolutely blasted. I, I just thought he handled things really, really well. And I'm, I, I wouldn't have categorized myself as a Brock Purdy hater necessarily, but I certainly wasn't in the Brock Purdy believer camp. I'm, I'm going to need to see, like, I'm, I'm going to be late on the Brock Purdy fall off now. Like, I, I'm just, I, there's going to, if he starts off the year with three games where it's 150 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, then I'll start to be like, eh, maybe it isn't it. But it's going to need to be that bad for me to not believe in this kid. I think he's great. I think he fits this offense perfectly. I fit, I, I think he fits what they're trying to do so well. And so I, I think that he should he should be applauded for how well he played. There is absolutely criticism that could be levied. Like, again, we've talked about it all season. This is probably the most complete football team in the NFL. And that certainly rings true for the offensive side of things. 
So when you have all of those weapons and don't get across the finish line, I think you have to question like, okay, is this kid the kid? Or is this kid the guy really? Like, is he the one who, who can get us there? But I don't think it was because of him. I do think, and it's, it's not a unique thought today. I think coaching let this football team down. I, I don't. I, I don't think coaching let this team down. I know coaching let this team down. You. There, there's a few ways. Um, first of all, with Brock Purdy specifically, how was the uh, mobility of this kid such a factor in the NFC Championship game, and so clearly not a factor in this one? Part of it, Kansas City significantly better defensively than Detroit. I will grant you that, and. Really have no comeback for it. But there was nothing designed in this game plan to allow Brock Purdy to do that. And I, I think when you see all of this pressure getting home in the second half, there needs to be a bit of a moving of the pocket. Um, just get this kid on the move a little bit and try to spread things out, open it up a little bit. That There was none of that, as much as I can remember, um, in this game. Most of the time, if he was running, he was running for his life because Kansas City had a lot of pressure on this kid. Um, I said in part one, there wasn't a whole lot of times where Jim Nance was saying, well, Purdy's got time. Like, it, it was like, Purdy on the move. Here comes the pressure. All those sorts of things. Th that Those were the problems. Um, and that was a, a major, major concern, I think. He just, he killed Detroit with his legs. I thought as things were starting to maybe shift a little bit, they could have used his legs a little bit more. Not even designed runs, just a couple of like, let's roll this kid out a little bit. And now all of a sudden we've put pressure on the defense. Everything's had to shift. Maybe that opens something up. It just, it gets something else in their mind that they're not just like Chris Jones isn't just, okay, I just need to get to that spot there. And I will fuck this kid's life up. Um, but that, that's kind of what it seemed like it was for a lot of this game. Um, and you look at how Kansas City was able to get things done. And I talked about coaching in the, the, the Kansas City episode. Andy Reid did such a good job of managing uh, and taking advantage of leverage in in terms of like, okay, well, they're, they're going to be playing this, so let's try to get them to motion this way, and look at that, Hardman's wide open for the game-winning touchdown. Um, th there were so many different examples where the Chiefs schemed their guys open. That wasn't happening with San Francisco. And I've been thinking a lot about this. And I, 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 I want to stop short of calling Mike Shanahan or um, Kyle Shanahan's offense a gimmick offense. Because it's not. It is, it is masterfully crafted, right? Um, however, I do think going into next season, San Francisco should look at keeping some of those bullets in the chamber for occasions like this. And it, it's, it, we'll get into this a little bit more. It's tough to criticize a team that was two minutes away from the Super Bowl. And, but I, I still, like all, all the, like all the talk this year about look at all these motions, look at all this movement. You give Spagnola 20 weeks of game film with motion and movement, he's gonna figure out the motion, he's gonna figure out the movement. There needs to be something more. And they gimmicked their way to one with Juwan um, Jennings with the, the, the pass over to Christian McCaffrey leading to a touchdown. Like they, they, they got one. But it just felt like there was more of an answer. And the plays that were scheming guys wide open in the regular season were figured out here. Where Andy Reid, not that it's it, it's not a vanilla offense in Kansas City at all. And you have Patrick Mahomes, which helps. 100% it does. But Andy Reid saved a couple of those plays. We didn't see that um, the, the quick little motion in, motion out, really, in the regular season. If we did, we saw it like once or twice. But we saw it twice in the Super Bowl, and it killed the Eagles. And then they just go back to that a little bit, like search the motion in. All right, everyone kind of shift. Let, let's get ready. Oh, look at that. There's a guy wide open there for a touchdown. Andy Reid kept a couple of plays ready for key moments in the Super Bowl. 
And I, I just think that going into next year, Kyle Shanahan, he kind of just unloads the whole thing out in the regular season. And then there, there's nothing to surprise anyone in the in the postseason. And some a bit of it is like you have to say who you are, right? Like, I'm not saying, hey, you know what will catch him off guard? Running the ball with use check 15 times. No one will see it coming. But th- there, there can be plays that still fit within what you generally do with a structure and with your team that you just kind of save for special occasions and a special occasion isn't fourth and three in week 12 against Washington. It's fourth and three with your season on the line in the Super Bowl against Kansas city, right? Like the, the, the chiefs had those plays, but the 49ers, anything wild that they've done with the exception of a double pass, everyone's seen it already. Everyone knows how to game plan for it. So I, I think Kyle Shanahan, it's like in pro wrestling, uh, apologies if you're not a pro wrestling person and hate wrestling comparisons, but it's like in pro wrestling, just follow me on this one. Some guy, like, one of the main criticisms in pro wrestling is people have been kicking out of finishers now, right? Like, old school wrestling, big boot, leg drop, one, two, three, it's over. Very rarely was someone kicking out of that, right? No one kicked out of the 3D. No one kicked out after a Jake the Snake Roberts DDT. But now... John Cena needs three attitude adjustments to pick up a win sometimes. Randy Orton needs to hit two RKOs to pick up a win sometimes. But then, you have Kenta Kobashi with the burning hammer, and that's a super finisher. No one kicks out of that. So, Kyle Shanahan is great with his finishers, but there was no super finisher. There was no like, oh, you think that's it? Well, here we go. Well, Andy Reid had a couple burning hammers in there that led to the win. It's a really forced metaphor, but I think you get my point. There's like two people who got it, but those who got it really got it. Um, and then there's the, the, the poor decision-making just in general. The overtime call is getting a lot of discussion today, and I, I, I think rightfully so. I can understand the arguments for the decision that he made, um, the, the one argument is your defense just got torched by Patrick Mahomes. Give him a minute. Um, but also I think you could have given him a week and Patrick Mahomes was going to do that again. Like that, that's just that, that, that's it. You, I don't think you can bank on, oh, well, they got 10 minutes to rest. Now we'll stop them. Cause it just, that's not how the game was going. That that's not how Patrick Mahomes was going. And the other part of it too, is in theory, you score, they score. And now the rules dictate next score wins, which, note, seems flawed, probably should be fixed before it becomes a problem in the Super Bowl. But your hope is we score a touchdown. I mean, your, your hope is we score a touchdown, we intercept their first pass, and we win the Super Bowl. Um, but the, the thought being, we score, they score, now we have the ball again with a chance to win the Super Bowl, and all we need is a field goal. So I, I, I can... I, I think that you can in a vacuum, justified the decisions that were made based off of that. However, when you have your players coming out on, um, whether it's the Monday after, or if it's in the, the uh, pre uh, post-game press conference, saying like, oh yeah, we didn't actually realize the rules were different. So we kind of just thought like, it wasn't a problem. Yeah, take the football score a touchdown, win the Super Bowl. That's great. Like, why... Why would that be a problem? They didn't realize the rule was different in the playoffs. That is a failure of coaching. And that's why I can't be like, oh, he was actually playing 3D chess and he knew blah, 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 blah. 
because you don't do that and then not tell your players. Andy Reid's teams and the great coaches' teams are ready for any scenario. They have at least a couple of times, in the two weeks that you have leading up to the Super Bowl, they at least a couple of times have gone through every scenario. It probably wasn't a whole lot, but there might have been one time where the Chiefs were like, all right, fourth and 99 and the game on the line. What do we do? Like, that, there's, that there isn't a scenario that the Kansas City Chiefs didn't go over. But then, and you heard them talk about it, like, yeah, we knew for two weeks that, the, that those were the playoff overtime rules. Like, we just, we were prepared for that. San Francisco wasn't. And if I'm a San Francisco player, you couldn't have tortured that information out of me. But they were just like, yeah, we didn't really know. That's not a great sign. And so that's why I can't give Kyle Shanahan the benefit of the doubt on a decision that came back to bite them. Because the obvious, like, the counter to what I just said about why you take the ball first is put the pressure on them make them go down and score a touchdown, and then all we have to do is match. And that kind of opens things up. Like, if they get a field goal, then it's okay. Well, we know we need to get a field goal. Um, so we need to go for a fourth down on these times, but not at this time. Um, okay, they got a field goal. We're going for a touchdown, so we can just go for a fourth down the whole fucking way. Um, it just, it makes the decision-making so much easier. Are you chasing a little bit? Maybe. But it, it just makes the decision-making so much easier. So... It was, it was the wrong decision, maybe made potentially for the right reasons, but given everything that's been said around it, I just, I can't give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. The part for me, and I'm not gonna, this isn't like the Detroit one where I'm going, well, actually, this is where the coach cost him the game. But I do think a big part of it, and uh, credit Raheem Palmer from The Ringer um, for, for, for bringing this up. How is Kyle Shanahan letting the Kansas City Chiefs run all that time off the clock at the end of the first half? Um, so the, the score's 10 nothing. Kansas City has the ball, and they're moving it down the field. And they are just being allowed, San Francisco had two timeouts left, I believe. They're just being allowed to let the clock run down so the last play of the first half is Butker kicking a field goal. And that's what happened. Look, I understand you don't want to give extra time to Patrick Mahomes. Um, but A, they, can, they can't tie you in that spot. Also, um... Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Andy Reid not necessarily famous for phenomenal clock management, but Patrick Mahomes isn't running out of time in the Super Bowl, okay? Like, they're, they're not like, okay, if we don't call timeouts, maybe they'll run out of time. That's not gonna happen. They're gonna get the clock management thing figured out, and they're gonna at least get a field goal opportunity out of this. But if your defense can get a couple stops, which they end up getting the stop, if your defense can get the stop, maybe you get the ball back with a minute, we can go back, answer that field goal, we got a double-digit lead going into an Usher concert, and that's awesome. But instead, they just let the clock run down, let Kansas City, and Kansas City was getting the ball to start the second half as well. So you are giving Patrick Mahomes the chance to put up, like, to tie the game, basically, before, like, in between times you touch the football. Can't let that happen. Can't do it. Cannot let that happen. So I, I just, I thought that that was a, a real, I thought that was a real miss from the coaching staff as well, allowing Patrick Mahomes the opportunity to, to double up in these spots. Um, I just, I, I think that the main thing is coaching costs them in this. I, I genuinely believe that. And look, it's a cruel game. Like we're, we're, we're picking all, all, picking at all these different things. They had the ball with a minute, or that they had the lead with a minute 53 to go in the Super Bowl. So it's not like he was like, oh, second down, let's punt. Like, that, this wasn't a, a miscarriage of justice or anything. It's just these little things. And look, like, we are maybe um, a guy not having the punt land off of his foot 
away from questioning Andy Reid and not challenging a second and one when uh, it looked like Travis Kelsey definitely got the first down. Um, instead, they end up not challenging, not getting it on third down, and punting the ball away in kind of a key time. And we're like, we're just like a couple of things away, a couple of bounces away from absolutely crushing Andy Reid today and talking about how Kyle Shanahan finally got it. Instead, a couple plays go the Chiefs way, we're talking about Andy Reid on, on, on Mount Rushmore. But quality coaching isn't just, well, I got 98% of it right. Quality coaching is having the, the those key moments, those difference-making moments, and having the right plays and the right decisions made, and it just felt like Kyle Shanahan kind of went hitless on, on all of those, and that's that, that, I think, is why they lost. Look, I think Kyle Shanahan is an excellent coach and a, a, one of the great offensive minds of the sport. But this is happening a lot now, and it's really tough to take. Um, on the defensive side, I thought the defense played their asses off. I thought they were so good in this game. Um, it's just you ran into Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, th there isn't a whole lot that you can do to defend this guy, but they did it as well as they could. And they, they were smart about it. Like, Bosa got caught that one time going around trying to get the sack. Most quarterbacks you can do that with, right? Not Mahomes, because he's going to step up and now all of a sudden, oh, look at all of this space I have and now I have time. So Bosa recognizes that, looks like he's going out wide and a hard step back this way. And all of a sudden, he's in that contain, they end up getting a sack. They, um, Warner gets burned on that little drag route on Travis Kelsey, but then perfect coverage on Kelsey with nine seconds left. Um, just a quick aside, I know this is the 49er one, Rasheed Rice, fuck off with your complaining like, man, I was wide open. Yeah, there was a reason for that, because the entire world knew the ball was going to Travis Kelsey. Mahomes doesn't have time to go through his reads with nine seconds left in the Super Bowl on the line. You got the best tight end in the history of the world on a linebacker in the end zone for a chance to win the Super Bowl. You throw that 100 times out of 100. I don't care if you are wide open in the back of the end zone, just waving without anyone within 40 yards of you. The right play was made. It just didn't work. Still won the game anyway. But that, that was just an, an in-the-moment thing. Um, this defense played so well. And it's just, in the second half, Kansas City did what they do. That's that's basically it. Um, I don't know how much better San Francisco defensively could have schemed up this game any better. There's been a lot of talk today about, well, maybe the 49ers just have to blow it up. Like, that. this team just, maybe they just don't have what it takes. I hate that. I think there's definitely a time and a place for, for something like that, right? Like, um, but it's, it's not, it's not now for, for San Francisco. They have been to the conference finals for the last five years. They've been to the Super Bowl twice. They've had 10 point leads in both of those games and they just happened to lose to the greatest of all time. That does not mean you have to start over. This is still probably the most complete team in the National Football League going into this offseason. You don't need to fire the coach who got you there. You don't need to blow up the team that got you there. You need to learn from this, understand some of the tactical mistakes that you made, but still roll out there with this phenomenal team. It sounds kind of lame, but just hope for better next year. Hope that when you're leading the Super Bowl uh, next time with zero minutes to go instead of with two minutes to go. That's basically all they can do. So I, I don't... I, I just don't think blowing up San Francisco is the right answer. Um, just a couple of uh, other notes here before we we wrap this all up. I thought Usher was good. Not great. Um, if, if, like, the Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg one, 
just killed all of our perception of Super Bowl halftime shows. Like, that was one of the greatest just performances of all time. But before that, it had been a little bit since we had, like, an oh my god. Like, Beyonce and Shakira, real good. Not oh my god. Um, J-Lo, like, good, sure. But, like, the Dr. Dre one was such a jaw-dropping, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Why is the football getting in the way? I want to watch more. And then Rihanna was pretty good last year. Like, I, I thought Rihanna was quite good. So, like, if Usher happens before Dr. Dre, then it's like, this was really good. We got Ludacris. We got Little John. That was so much fun. Um, instead, it's after it. And it's like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fine. No problem with it. It was good. Um, like, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with any of it. Aside from he didn't start with Oh My God, which was such an obvious choice, but... Whatever. Um, people are getting, giving shit for Tony, uh, on Tony Romo for talking over the, the final call. People need to chill on that. And I saw some, as a play-by-play guy, my least favorite thing is the color commentator stepping all over me. You fucking deal, man. Like, it's, it, it is what it is. Like, first of all, um, I, I have been doing enough play-by-play things on, on, um, on, like, minor hockey broadcasts and junior A hockey broadcasts and stuff that I, I don't even have a color commentator to walk all over me. There have been times I would kill for a color commentator to walk all over my commentary because then I would have one. Um, but also, I've had color commentators walk on my stuff before. You just deal, right? And look, I've never called a Super Bowl-winning touchdown. Nance got his call-in. Nance got his, Kansas City has hit the jackpot in Vegas. We all knew that. He didn't need to go, because Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of... Blah, 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 blah. Romo, I... Th- like, the, the thing for me... With broadcasting. And again, I've been doing this since I was 17 years old. Um, and as I think you can tell, I ain't that anymore. Um, although I kind of looked like this when I was 17. That's neither here nor there. There are three types of broadcasters for a live game. There are those who take away from the moment. There are those who add to the moment. And there, there are those who are moment neutral. I thought Tony Romo added to the moment spectacularly. You had a walk-off touchdown in the Super Bowl. Everyone is losing their fucking minds. There's a reason no one commented on this until like a few hours later when they went back and watched it. Because probably everyone at your uh, Super Bowl party was screaming and losing their shit because we just saw an overtime touchdown win the Super Bowl. It would be like, yeah, it would probably be great for Nance and he probably would have knocked it out of the park because he's been doing this for 100 years. Um, It would have been great if he could have had Kansas City hits the jackpot and Patrick Mahomes... hits 21 to blackjack, you know, like got all of his gambling references in and got all of his whatever and hit the big call he wanted. He still gets Kansas City hits jackpot in Vegas. And then Tony Romo basically comes on and is just like, holy shit for 45 seconds, but without saying holy shit, cause it's still on CBS. I thought he added to that moment and met the moment of what that whole scenario was. I thought he met it perfectly it doesn't need to be crisp it doesn't need to be perfect there's been too much crisp and too much perfect um it's fun to just have raw human emotion in that broadcast booth instead of something buttoned up and an exaggerated golf call it was great to just have a guy show the real emotion of the real moment that all of us were feeling at that time except for 49ers fans who just had their hearts broken so just a couple of thoughts on that also Anyone hating on Travis Kelsey or uh, Taylor Swift or any of that today can fuck right off. Um, like, I, I am I am so over people hating all of that. I didn't find it distracting at all. They cut to things in the crowd all the time. How many fucking Jets games did we have to see that bald fire guy? Um, and it was just like, okay, yeah, he's there. Cool. We didn't have any problem with it. We saw Giselle a ton of times when it was Brady. But it's Taylor Swift now, and for some reason, that's a problem. 
the fuck over it. I thought I did not that they need my whatever at all. So happy for those kids. And how could you not seeing the, all the whatever? It's like, oh, how is this not fake? Because it's not. They're, they're, bleh, bleh. Another story for another day. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Uh, remember, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Um, if you are listening in podcast form, subscribe there as well and uh, leave a review. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimeclient, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The schedule for the next couple of days is up in the air. Follow me on social media, like I said. Um, but I'm, I'm doing a hockey game tomorrow at 11 a.m. Um, and so that kind of messes with things a little bit, but throughout the week, we're going to have UFC storylines going to UFC 298, the non-main event talent that you really need to watch for on this card, some of the other fights that have been made across the world of MMA, and a comprehensive preview of UFC 298. Also coming up this week, we're going to revisit the Patrick Mahomes trade tree. I did that last year. Um, feels pertinent to bring that up now, how that trade actually affected 15 teams. Also, um... I don't know if it's going to be this week or next week. We're going to look at the Tyreek Hill trade tree because I think that also helped out the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. So uh, still a ton of Super Bowl coverage to come and a whole lot of UFC 298 with, of course, some Flames news sprinkled in throughout as well. Um, and I, I've been teasing it for a bit. There is an announcement coming this week about uh, some more stuff coming into the network. So thank you guys so much, and I will talk to all of you later.